0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Saturday Down the South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle O'Gara. Marler. Holy cowbell. I'd like to, by the way, TM on that one. I don't know if somebody's used that. I'm sure the Starkville papers Hunter, use that.
0: They have been playing football in the South and Starkville for almost 100-something years. I guarantee you somebody. Yeah, holy probably.
1: Probably. But maybe not in podcast form yet. So I'm going to podcast TM that. Yep. The, the Mike Leach era has officially arrived in the SEC. Holy cow. That was incredible. Unbelievable. That was
0: awesome.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Uh, Incredible day of football in general for everyone, for the most part. Not for us in picks necessarily, but for in general, what an incredible first day. It felt so good to be back. For humans
1: watching college football, yesterday (laughs) was a great day overall.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I I was sitting there, I, I don't know how many times. I didn't cry once what yeah i don't know what's wrong with me dude i'm just i'm turning into a man it's weird uh at 34 so i'm finally hitting puberty it's fine um but i i was so fired up and there was like there were times and and we'll get into all this stuff but like it was so funny because i could tell i was so starved for football because it's almost october it's almost october we should have been doing this for a month by now and like and just the way this whole year has been and i i was like jumping up and down like stamping my feet, like doing this whole dance. And I looked at Ali, I was like, this is the best day of my life. And she's like, it is six minutes into the first quarter of Auburn, Kentucky. Like, what are you talking about? And so it was, I was very excited. I was doing too much.
1: Got to pace yourself. It's a long, long season, but wow, what a week one it was. We're going to recap all of the SEC action, a little bit of what happened, the bizarre stuff that happened in the, the big 12 as well. Just an incredible opening week it was for the SEC. And you know what? I'm going to come out and say it. We're going to get ahead of this. Our picks were awful. I took awful. a goose egg against the spread. I was 0-6-1 <laughs> against the spread. 5-2 and 2 straight up, but that's not what makes people money. And this was like the perfect reason for like why I don't gamble because there were yeah. roughly four games that were so close to going the other way that like, you know, the Florida game, even the Bama game with the muff punt at the end. And then like we're, Tennessee game as well, where it, it easy, I easily could have ended up having like a four and three weekend. And instead like, this is this is why I don't gamble. But at the same time, we we're just talking about this before we came on. It's actually kind of good that so many of the things that, you know, we didn't necessarily see coming happen because for the last nine months in what's been the longest off season, ever in college football history yesterday was like holy crap well this this is just different than what i thought it was gonna be
0: it was it was totally different it was awesome in so many ways and it was fun because it was like man 2020 is not effing stopping for anyone like i mean like arkansas vandy like all that stuff thank god just shout out vandy i'll never make fun of you again because because connor went oh six and one i went one five and one there we go and 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 so here's the thing and i said this last year remember last year how my SEC picks were, like, average at best, I think. I think I might, might have been right at 500 or something like yeah, that at the end of the yeah. year. But out of the SEC, I was awesome. <laughs> I was like, so so. last week I go 9-3. and three, This week I go 1-5-1. And, one. and I, I'll be honest, guys, like, I, I don't see it changing, like, right now. Like, I, I'm in a very fragile state, and hopefully it will change. Fate but us. it's like, I say, yeah, fade us, and it's fine. Like, what we're going to start doing to make you money is just going with my instincts, which I've said jokingly, but also not jokingly forever. Are never right they're never right and so yesterday was I say what on Wednesday night I got some info from Bama and I hammered hammered like luckily I didn't have enough money in my account after what I put on the like not like my, my bank account but like my betting account <laughs> like with like with Bama because I hammered Bama 27 and a half Bama 17 in the first half and Bama minus 7 in the first quarter if those first two didn't hit we'd be taking up a collection plate right now because it was not good you yes. do like to talk about getting like and then chasing stuff and this is you're so lucky you don't gamble because i was just like oh dude georgia's down seven nothing or seven two there's no way they don't win the first half i'm gonna live bet the blank out of this mm. they did not they were losing at a half it was a, it was a tough day all in all for gambling but it was a fun day for college football
1: it was awesome just to be able to consume all of it so many new storylines Storylines that we've been kind of hinting at throughout the yeah. offseason that really came to fruition as well. Before we recap all of the action in the SEC, Marlar yesterday for lunch. Just because the season started doesn't mean that I was going to stray from my little routine. Yeah. have some chicken, have a little Texas Pete, make myself a nice little sandwich. Halftime of the noon games, it was great. That's the yeah. only way I think I can actually function in what's been just this bizarre 2020 is if I have my Texas Pete in the middle of the
0: day. i tell you what, I had two meals yesterday and they were both Dallas and Texas Pete. One was Crow and I had that for dinner. Mm, yeah. and, it was, and it was a lot, it was a lot. I was very full afterwards. Ditto. The other, a little, uh, a little peel behind the onion. I took a page out of Connor's book here, Ooh. which is probably why I did so bad at my picks. Because mm. water finds its level, mm, idiots. Yeah. Um, but yesterday we went to the store and went down to Publix uh, during game day. Everyone's in their little game day attire. We had to go get some Texas Pete because I, I thought we were out. We weren't. That was a whole other thing. Again. When um, are you ever out? You're I'm never not. I'm out. just stockpiling, and she's not even caught it catching on to it yet. So here's the deal. I got a 12 pack of Hawaiian rolls. A rotisserie chicken. Let's go, and, and and a new bottle of Texas Pete wing sauce, and I would just, I mean, in heaven. That that was lunch and dinner. It was fantastic. Um, but regardless of what your lunch and dinner is, just make sure it is accompanied by Texas Pete. Okay, so again, I, I rave about Texas Pete every week. Texas Pete wing sauce is just, I mean, like, I don't want to say it's quickly becoming my favorite because it, it just already is. I talk about it every week um make sure you try both make sure you're using the hashtag sauce like you mean it and send us pictures of these uh of these tailgates and home gates and all those good things you know we we put out a series last week going over some of the traditions in the southeast and tailgating is definitely a part of that so let's think home gating a part of that as well i hate that saying go big or go home okay it's like what were you born in a ron john surf shop no full saying it is the the 2020 version yeah exactly That's a good point so just listen, go big while going home, okay? Mm. Go big at home and just make your tailgate legendary and make sure you do it with Texas Pete. Uh, and again, send us pictures of what you guys got going with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Now, let's get into these games, okay? And I, I, before we start, I want... I, this is... We joke around a lot on this podcast. And I know I went 1-5-1 and one yesterday in my, against the spread picks. Only 4-3 and three straight up. Only 4-3, and three, Connor. Um... But here's what I want to say, and I know a lot of you are, are hating on – I got a lot of hate on social media, especially for Mississippi State fans. Didn't know there were that many uh, Mississippi State fans in, in the world. It was awesome to hear from you guys. You guys were right. I was wrong. But when you're, when you're feeling down, and I know somebody said yesterday, you can't call me Uncle Chris anymore. i got to be Cousin Chris. Which I, I said to.
1: I was third Cousin Connor twice removed.
0: That's yeah, that's, oh, that's cool. That's just poetry. But speaking of poetry – if you're feeling down like i was if your team lost um if you lost a lot of money any of those things i want to inspire you with a poem and this is from my favorite american author of all time she she ever of s- no Silverstein. Um, no, been a fan of them since college um i'm not gonna tell you, you guys can probably guess who it is at the end it, it's an incredible incredible author The just the literary genius that comes out of this person is incredible so here's a quote from my favorite poem they ever wrote to help you if you're also feeling down every move i make feels lost with no direction my faith is shaking but I gotta keep trying gotta keep my head held high there's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna want to make it move always gonna be an uphill battle sometimes I'm gonna have to lose ain't about how fast I get there Connor it's only week one bro ain't about how fast I get there ain't about what's waiting on the other side it's the climb and that was from William Faulkner Mm. that was from Miley Cyrus I also, at the time, it was her. She was known as Hannah Montana. Regardless, that is my level of inspiration for you guys moving forward. We're gonna things will be better, right? You I, keep I reading. I think so.
1: I think so. I mean, I was gonna read my favorite poem, which is "Hopped it, off snap, the plane snap. at LAX with oh, my dream my cardigan." <laughs> no, we won't. Um, we won't go down the road of Miley lyrics. But yes, yeah. you're right. It is the climb, and it is only week one. So remember that. We're going to get to some overreactions as well, which some might be overreactions now, but they might not be in a couple weeks. And
0: and our new segment, Yes, Apologies. A
1: debut segment for this season, a new weekly installment, a new post-game installment that we will get to as well. We have to start with Mississippi State taking down the defending national champion LSU Tigers in Death Valley, the place where dreams go to die instead one began and it began with mike leach's offense yeah you like that you like that i didn't even have that written down mike leach's sec debut was the stuff of legend i mean quite frankly like i know we we tend to like we want to try and put this stuff like we want to have all these knee jerk reactions but no human being had ever thrown for 600 yards in the sec and kj costello did just that and his sec debut And it's funny because he actually said beforehand, apparently he told Gary Danielson, yeah, I think I'm going to have to throw about 600 yards to win this game. And ends up throwing 623. And Mississippi State pulls off a a stunner that I I, I quite frankly still don't think I've been able to find all the right words for because we had this this skepticism about Leach and how his offense would translate in the SEC. I kept saying... You know I wonder about the protection if they're gonna be able to get that protection up front to be able to uh, to be able to to run all the passing plays that they really want to and what you kind of came to realize is that well LSU actually you know did I thought an okay job of that I think they sacked him four or five times and you know forced a couple of fumbles they forced turnovers I mean Jacoby Stevens felt like he was everywhere and it didn't matter and you saw this display of this offense that was just like, Holy crap, because yeah. with the exception of KJ Costello, because I realize that's a big part of this, I, I hyped this Joe Moorhead offense You know, the last two <laughs> years. And this was an offense that last year with most of the same players, yeah. again, not KJ Costello, was 109th in the country in passing. 109th in the country in Why passing. And what is? they did yesterday was just unbelievable. The separation that they were getting. Was was it was something that like you expected water to find its level maybe in the second half or maybe when KJ yeah. Costello has those two turnovers when MSU is up ten and all of a sudden it looks like he's about to have a third turnover and it's yeah. kind of like the Brady Tuck rule and you're like all right LSU is going to take care of this LSU is going to win a game that's much closer than we thought oh well Mike Re- Mike Leach's air raid offense is really fun but that didn't happen and instead KJ Costello just hung tough. And kept yeah. throwing and throwing and connected with Osiris Mitchell. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is this this happened. This just happened. And yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just amazed. I am absolutely amazed at how quickly Mike Leach did that with this personnel.
0: Yeah, so one, you know, we'll do we'll do the apologies later, but hats off to Mississippi State. Hats off to I'm Mike. Just Leach, amazing. Kylan Hill. Mm. Everyone that, that I personally doubted, I, I know I said at one point, I was like, you know, I, I think Mike Leach is going to jump up and get somebody at some point. Did not think it was going to be week one. Did not think it was going to be this game. I, I, I'm the one that said it was going to be a, you know, uh, who did I say, flex game? It doesn't even matter. I said Steve
1: finger flex game. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Coach O, and, and I thought he'd come out and, and prove a point, and you can say whatever you want about Derek Singley not playing, all that kind of stuff. Um And, and I don't want to, you, you know, The scariest thing for LSU fans during all this to watch this game is, you know, I I turned it on and it was three nothing in the first quarter. But you got this feeling that was like, you remember how last year when LSU would come out and, and they had this punch you in the mouth, like not like physicality necessarily, but like outside of Clyde, but this like punch you in the mouth, like we are coming at you over and over and over again. And it, it almost felt like you're out of breath. Like It'd be like this, three
1: like, plays and like 30 yards apiece, right. and then they'd score, and you'd be like, oh, right. well, oh, okay, well, there's just and no chance of And now you're playing from that. behind, and you're yeah.
0: constantly playing catch-up. And it was just, there was there were so many times last year where LSU got ahead and stayed ahead. They did it against Bama, and they did it against really good teams all year. This is what that felt like. And I know LSU had the lead twice in this game, but it was like, it never felt like they were going to... You're like, right. The, the ignorance of, of our arrogance to be honest like not like you and I necessarily but just people that thought like well this is LSU they're defending national champs they've recruited this level they're going to come back and win the ignorance of that is why we kept thinking like LSU's gonna win this game Mississippi State came out there and, and you could say whatever you want about the, fly, the high flying offense and the air raid and all that kind of stuff 600 yards game key you can say that if you want and you and you will be wrong because Mississippi State came out yesterday and they were more physical than LSU. Yeah, and that's true. Mike Leach team was more physical than an Ed Orgeron team, and it was it was interesting to see because, I mean, it was it was awesome to see because because it was you know I, I felt like the whole time I was watching it I hated it for like my LSU guys you know Sean Larkin Nick Hallaby Mickey Sherry, not really Nick Hallaby as much because he deserved it. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: there were like three but times like, I thought what? I saw Nick Hallaby in the crowd, and I realized oh really? no, that's not him, that's not him.
0: Um, but no, I, you know, it just like. It, but it, it almost felt like watching this, it was like watching new, new, like, life being, being like, what is the past of breathe? Brothed. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, brothed. Like, breathed, breathe, yeah, brothed into, into the SEC. And, and, and I know that's, you know, like, probably embellishing and exaggerating a little bit and so, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it was, it was really cool to see Mike Leach come in. And I tell you what, you know, you know, I know this is like part of his, character and his personality and all that kind of stuff but watching Mike Leach be like SEC coach esque of of like and, and I'm I'm trying not to say like a Saban but they're up 10 points in the third quarter and he's put up 500 yards passing on the former on the defending national champs who you just heard coach say this week the defense is going to be a lot better, much better Kat saying that better. throughout the offseason yeah And and then you and he's just sitting there, hand on his hip, power stance, just like not pleased. And it was it was cool to see them keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Some of these new guys, God, I could not have been more wrong about Kylan Hill in this offense. It was awesome to see Kylan Hill. Maybe my favorite thing of the day when he flexed on those six year olds in the end zone. I was was going to get to that later. I was going to get to that later. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, it was it was an incredible win. And you talk about and uh, real quick, and we'll go back to you. But like the, you know, this when Mississippi State beat LSU in 2014 with Dak. Yeah. It was such a program-defining, program-changing win. And it's cool to look at this program now and say, like, man, like, I, I know that, that, like, overall, they haven't fared well in Death Valley. Totally get it. But now you look at the last four years, they're 500 against LSU in Death Valley. They've beaten them twice. And the way they've beaten them by being, like, more physical than them in those two games, it's it's impressive to see. And it, it, I tell you what, man, Mike Leach came in with with a – Man, uh, with authority in the SEC. I think they won.
1: Well, they won that game in Starkville when they killed um, when they killed yeah. MSU. Two, yeah, when MSU won that game against LSU two years ago, that game was in uh, in 2017. That game was. I'm in talking Starkville.
0: about in Death Valley when when they are they three and one against LSU in. in? No, 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 no. I'm
1: saying I, I don't think they had won in Death Valley since 2014, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Right, that's what I said. Right. Oh, they would never won. No, they hadn't
1: won since since 2014. But that it's it's that's right, a So Two and two. I know, I thought you were... Okay. Yeah, but that's not two and two since 2014. That, that's... Oh, two and two in Death Valley since 2014. Yeah. I got what you're saying. My bad. That's that's on me. Damn it, Connor. <laughs> the word that you brought up earlier that I think is important to remember is arrogance. Yeah. I saw arrogance from LSU in a way that I haven't necessarily seen. And yeah. that was the frustrating thing if you're an LSU fan, was the arrogance of, look, you have had... All that time to be able to prepare for the air raid offense. You have had so much time. And Bo Pelini, I get it. It's your first game as defensive coordinator at LSU. You're back at your old stomping grounds. It's in a role that you haven't mm-hmm. done in a while. You didn't think you were going to be without Derek Stingley, and then you all of a sudden were... But to play that much man coverage when time and time again, how many shallow crossing routes does MSU have to run before LSU says, you know what, maybe we mix it up. Maybe we decide, hey, this isn't working for us. Maybe we can't cover the receivers on the outside. And it seems like Osiris Mitchell, a guy who seemingly dropped routine catches regularly during the Joe Moorhead era, all of a sudden, step and a half of separation and would just catch perfect in-stride passes all the time. At some point... LSU had to say we need to be able to make these adjustments because they were not there. And no. I, look, I get.
0: They didn't give up 700 yards. I mean, I feel like <sighs> they did it right, right?
1: I mean, the arrogance to think, okay, we've we've prepared for offenses that throw the ball before. I can't, the one thing like I was dead wrong about MSU's offense looking this good early yep. on. I 100% admit that. But what I've said throughout this offseason is we need to mentally prepare for this offense looking way different than anything we've ever seen in the SEC because air raid gets thrown around in a different way, and I'm guilty of it too. Like we talk about Todd Munkin's offense, and it's got air raid principles, but it's not a Mike Leach air raid. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to Todd Munkin's offense. Don't worry. Don't worry. To say that this was like anything we've ever seen in the SEC before would just be dead wrong because Mike Leach's offense has averaged 50 pass attempts per game every season. He has been a head coach with the exception of one, and it was the 2006 Texas Tech team that averaged 49 passes, pass attempts per game during the yeah. 2010s. Ole Miss in 2016 was the only SEC offense that averaged 40 pass attempts per game. That's crazy. This is going to be different, and if you don't prepare for it to be different, yeah. you're gonna look, you're gonna look really bad. And so that's this is the exact reason you brought this point up before about. MSU being able to catch somebody. This was, in a way, the perfect scenario for that because who's the type of team that they're going to catch? A team that doesn't necessarily prepare the way that it should. A a defensive coordinator who is too stubborn to be able to recognize mid-game, we need to be able to make these adjustments. And you saw it. You saw it throughout the entire afternoon, and it didn't even feel like MSU scored all that it possibly could because of the turnovers as well but i just thought that the arrogance from lsu was maddening to a certain extent and and to see that from the from the defensive standpoint was a really deflating feeling and it makes me have serious questions about them moving forward
0: yeah so and my thing my thing with all that is uh again this game specifically can't can't say i was wrong more can't say i was wrong more ditto um eh, I don't know what else to say about this game specifically. Do you want to talk, about, that.
1: Want to talk about beyond this game then?
0: Yes, beyond this game, yeah. I've said all offseason, and I caught so much for it. Excuse my language. Um, damn it, Chris, I don't have a pencil to write this down. <laughs> um, I caught so much crap for this for for the entire offseason from LSU fans. And, like, listen, I love LSU fans, and, and, and I had a blast down there, and it, it's so much fun, all that good stuff. And, and some, like, you know, people like Mickey and Nick and, and Sean, like, those are guys like that, like, I, I feel like I'm, like, legitimately friends with for a really long time. And I understand that we are fans of this game and we are going to blindly defend our team. And and a lot of times our fandom can take over the logical part of our brain and think that this is going to happen. But I don't know how many effing times I said this offseason, when you lose a generational quarterback, when you lose a generational offensive coordinator, and anybody that told me Steve Ensminger, including you, was yeah. the one calling the no, place. You're right, you're right. Like I I said it over and over and We've seen this over and over and over from this LSU team. And I know that they've changed, I know that the offense is different. I know that I don't think LSU is going back to the same boring old Les Miles offense by any means. But I have watched Steve Ensminger be the offensive coordinator at LSU on his own before and and that's not necessarily even I love Steve Ensminger a great dude had a blast meeting when we were in Baton Rouge last year like I think he's think he's a good coordinator you can't tell me that Steve Ensminger was the brains behind last season's offense when they brought in someone new like Joe Brady as the passing game coordinator and then you go from the doldrums and the and the basement of the SEC and passing stats to literally the best passing offense in college football history, possibly. I didn't
1: think the passing game was necessarily like the the total problem. I thought Miles Brennan had moments where it looked like he just wasn't ready. And it, the 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 things that Joe Burrow can do with extending plays and stuff, Miles yeah, Brennan I'm, isn't on that level yet. And that's that's partially I'm, like
0: on yeah, he's not gonna be on that level.
1: No no no, he's he's not going to be on that level. You're 100 percent right. I didn't think that that Ensminger's game that he called was necessarily yeah. like the direct reason that they lost. But at the same time, you're right in that, like it, it did feel like okay, there were moments where if you had like a Joe Brady type system or you know right. Joe Brady at, at the controls, that 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 could have overcome some of those issues that they're having. When it just felt like they were they were lagging offensively, yeah. and this year's identity is just like it's not established at at all well, yet. I've got, got so Entzminger, much more to say still.
0: I, like, 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 I, I, I'm not even close to being know with these guys because it's like I heard all off season from LSU fans about how it's, we reload, we have, we've recruited a high enough level, we're gonna do this next man up, and I tell you what, I, I thought it was it was comical yesterday to watch this happen because it was one of the few things that I've said this off season that was right because listen man like LSU. I'm not doubting Coach O's, like, longevity at LSU. I'm not doubting him being able to be the long-term solution and have them competing for championships year in, year out. But this season, this season, when you lose a Heisman winner, both coordinators or one-and-a-half coordinators, 14 players the NFL draft. That's hard to replace. I don't understand why all offseason it was so difficult for people to be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. 14 players the NFL draft, uh an SEC record. Having the Heisman Trophy winner, number overall number one overall pick, both coordinators, all that's gone, and then oh, by the way, you come back, you lose Jamar Chase, the Bolitnikoff winner, you lose Tyler Shelvin, a, a guy that was going to be a preseason All SEC, and then in this game you lose Derek Stingley. That the Stingley thing aside, every other part you lost. Like, let's take a step back and realize, like that is in the hard. same way that Mike Leach is going to Mike Leach is going to do what he did to LSU to a lot of teams in the SEC. I, I, like thoughts and prayers, Vandy. Good God! Actually, Vandy's defense looked pretty good last night. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, but like, he's gonna do it to a lot of teams in the same way that you should expect him to do it to a lot of teams. Anybody and Bama fans, shut up! Because I heard this all day yesterday from Bama fans: who "Like, well, Bama does it every year." No, they don't. No, they don't. Okay, not they don't replace. Talent. Nobody replaces fourteen yeah. players. The NFL draft. Nobody replaces both coordinators and a Heisman Trophy winner. Tell me when Bama's ever done that. I'll wait. Thank you guys. Like, it just sit down <laughs> and just take a beat. But I mean, this is something we should have expected. And guys, it's going to be possibly a rebuilding a rebuilding year. They could still go seven and three. They could go five and five. I don't know. They could go eight and two, nine and one, whatever. But what we saw yesterday should have at least been expected somewhat. And I, and this is what I always preach about teams in the SEC that blows my mind having reasonable expectations one last
1: one last thought go ahead one last thought on on lsu i don't necessarily think it's the end of the world again i have concerns about that defense moving forward especially if they're going to keep playing man coverage and being that that stubborn i think they'll be better once they get Derek stingley back and he takes away half the field assuming he's able to to return from his non-covid related illness there but um, I you know I I, I think this is just going to be a product of, of this year. I think that they're going to have these yeah. moments where their their offense can't pull them out of some of these holes, and it, it's going to be it's just going to be like that playing a ten
0: game all SEC schedule, and that's and, that's reality. And I do want to say too, you had in the notes here, and I, I thought this was indicative of, of what we kind of thought LSU was going to do, and how surprised M, we we were at Mississippi State, and we shouldn't be because like again, hats off, they deserve all the credit in the world. Yep, sacked Costello seven times. Yeah. They didn't. Mississippi State had seven sacks. This Mississippi <laughs> State defense sacked Miles Brennan seven times. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like I thought the same thing. I was like, oh my God, like because like, they were in the backfield a lot, it seemed like. They were. And Costello just made the made the right play, made the right check. That wasn't like a shot at you by any means. But like Mississippi State having seven ta- like I remember looking at the box store like here, looking at like and looking at Alley, I go, they flat out beat LSU. Yeah. Like I mean, like they, they physically beat them. I do wanna say, Kylan Hill. Just continues to be one of my favorite players in SC history. My brother
1: just texted me. He's like, "Is Kylan Hill going to be the 2020 version of Clyde Edwards-Helaire? Because oh. yeah, I like are else watch because you have the Apple Watch. I know like, it's, it's the pretty sweet. Just texted me. Oh yeah. uh, no, it's it, 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 it. There were definitely moments when it kind of felt like that, and you saw the full route tree, and that yeah. was really cool to see someone that's embraced that role and is understanding what it means to be a modern back. I'll tell you what, man. I said I didn't think that you're one of Mike Leach that MSU was going to go over 500 in this all-SEC yep. schedule because that's something that MSU has done once in the 21st century. But uh, that 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 looks like a team that was more than capable of doing it in 2014. Of course, was the only time that they've done it in the 21st century, and uh, fittingly enough, also yep. when they beat when they beat LSU in Death Valley with national Dak. champs. So, yes, very very interesting <laughs> week one game. We have a lot of other games to get to. Yeah, let's get Georgia. To Georgia. Against Arkansas, okay, Georgia fans, I understand. Look, dogs covered. Um, there, there are some who are going to look at that box score. And they're going to say, "Ah, eh, yeah, Unreal. that game kind of, in a way, in a way, that game kind of went exactly how they, how we thought it would go." Traylon Burks, who, by who the way, Who says
0: that Traylon Burks,
1: the first touchdown of the game, hadn't yeah, had, had a career touchdown. That was like the one thing I nailed over the weekend. And Vandy scoring first, although I said Vandy would score a touchdown, but the game unfolding the way that it did was very telling and georgia comes out and holy cow this offense was a disaster it didn't help that they kept shooting themselves in the foot 11 penalties in the first half would have put sabin into cardiac arrest probably probably um i'm sure that was in the
0: first half right yeah in
1: the first half in the first half which didn't make things easy on on dewan mathis but you find out JT Daniels is still not cleared to play physically and you see Dewan Mathis look very much like someone who has never started in the SEC because he was all over the place and it. you see some of the raw skills like that and i had people that like later were liking the 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 tweet that i had earlier from the David Pollock quote about how you know he could throw throw a ball through a car wash and not get it wet I, like yeah. I, he's still got a big arm, don't get me wrong. But you
0: know why I wouldn't get wet, Connor? Because he would throw it outside of the damn car wash. It wouldn't you know been what? remotely accurate.
1: Walked right into that one. Yeah. Fifteen minutes, uh well, twenty minutes, I guess, into that game, Kirby Smart made the decision to put in Stetson Bennett the fourth, the mailman, Woo! which I think he's the lawyer. Let's call him the lawyer. Our
0: favorite DUI lawyer, Stetson Bennett the fourth. Yeah. I, I posted it yesterday, good. and I was, I was so worried. Then people are gonna be like, it's not funny. And um, DUIs were serious, it. It, man. It was good. Yeah, it's not funny at all, dude. But um, but so, Stetson Bennett looked good, and then and then it quickly became my favorite thing. I think I saw today. Somebody was like, dude, we should have seen this coming. Mel Tucker predicted it years ago, and it was like because in practice when he was the, a walk on, he was like, dude, Stetson Bennett's a beast. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, he's the future of the program.
1: I'm gonna give Stetson Bennett credit because yeah, he. I mean, he was. He was good. He was good in yep. when he came in like even the, the play where he dives on the two point conversion to be able he to had hit someone the wide con. open in
0: the end zone but still. That he yep. did.
1: He definitely did. But the fact that he was still willing to lay it all on the line, he was exactly what Georgia needed in that moment because I don't know if they win that game with Mathis. Barry Odom's defense, give them credit. I've said throughout this offseason, you know what, Sam Pittman, I don't know if this whole thing is going to work yet, but his hires have looked really good. And Barry Odom Mm. was one of the best hires in the country. That defense for Arkansas was ready to go. And I don't know that... Duan Mathis expected them to be in position like they were throughout the day where it just seemed like they were one step ahead of him, And that's a credit to somebody who has done this for a very long time and is somebody who's very, very yeah. good at it. But, you know, it's interesting with Georgia because the defense takes over. The defense still looks really good. Richard yeah. LeCount, a couple of interceptions, four <laughs> interceptions in his last two games. That guy's a monster. Eric Stokes, first career interception. It's a pick six. Picks off Felipe Franks. Kind of like your typical, it was your typical Felipe day. They're, yeah, they're Felipe like,
0: Felipe. Yeah,
1: you know, Georgia bottles yep. up. Rakeem Boyd. Kind of like a lot of the things that we expected to happen to a certain extent. But what's interesting now is this quarterback situation actually looks more clear now than it did a yep. week ago. Because I think... You look at that and while I think that Stetson Bennett deserves credit for what he did, you still would look at this situation now and say, JT Daniels cannot be cleared soon enough because that team needs
0: him badly. Badly. Yeah. I th- so um, Stetson Bennett the four, the the thing that looked the, the biggest difference to me in when he came in versus when DeWan Matheson – because let's make let's not mince words here. Dewan Mathis, four star. 66 six, 250 you heard Mike Griffith say the same thing you know can throw it 75 80 yards like physically this kid has all the tools maybe now we understand why he hasn't been higher in the depth chart before this this season because well he had emergency the,
1: brain surgery last year kind of yeah, put that Yeah that's also
0: a very good point but I'm saying like he he has all the the tools physically all of them mm-hmm. right like I mean like the, the kid is like on on paper like I mean he he looks incredible like it, it, some of the throws I saw preseason all those things but the confidence and the the ability to really not overthink it I yeah, felt like with Stetson in the fourth coming in and just kind of being more like like Dewan kind of he, he came in beforehand you could, he was, you could tell he was hyped up and, and he was ready to go and, and it, was, you know, it was his first start and like you said like yeah coming off brain surgery like less than, <laughs> less than two years ago or a year ago it's like sure yeah this yeah this kid like I mean, what an incredible journey! And then to, to be counted out constantly with with J.T. Daniels and with Jamie Newman. We'll get to the Jamie Newman thing in a second. But like, sets in bit of the fourth just kind of seemed more sure of himself and within himself yeah. when he came into the game. And and I think that's what at that time what Georgia needed. There was, you know, as much as I wanted to to think like, are we about to have an upset here? There was never a chance. You have it here in the notes. It's perfect. That group wasn't going to struggle with Felipe Franks for 60 minutes. It
1: wasn't. It, it no. just wasn't. That defense was going to be able to capitalize on mistakes, and then yeah. sure enough, that's what happened.
0: And, and this team, I don't remember if I said it about Georgia, if I said it about somebody else, but I think I said it about Georgia. Having having like Looking at this team, its I think I said it about Georgia, so maybe I was right about this, but like, it, it's going to look a lot like those early years of Sabin when it's like it, they kind of struggle early, the offense is trying to find itself, and then you look up at the end of the game, and they've won by four touchdowns. Now, Am I pissed that they won by four touchdowns and covered the <laughs> damn spread by a half I can't, point? Believe, they yes. covered, I can't furious, believe they covered, man. I'm furious because it was seven to five at the half. But like, regardless, I thought it was—I thought it was a incredible job. This is what, like, it was funny. I, I thought we would we would see less arguing from Florida and Georgia fans about like. Knowing which team was better, like I thought yesterday was like, perfect Damn. for that.
1: Perfect for it that. It was
0: unreal. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at it, it's like, like Kyle Trask goes the f off, and yeah. I'm like, oh, Georgia fans gotta be shaking their boots. And then it becomes like your defense is terrible, and then Georgia is sitting here doing the exact opposite because that defense. I tell you what, I, I I think in the beginning of the season at least, this is what we can come to expect from Georgia, and and that is maybe some ugly wins, maybe especially on the offense side of the ball. And in in if this was James Coley's offense, Zamir White would have had 150 yards. He would have had 150 yards rushing. Like, it, it just, it seemed like it was like one of those, well, maybe not 150, Connor, I was going like, to say, that's
1: like, ambitious to say that he doubles rushing <laughs> yards with James Coley. But I'm, just, I'm just saying,
0: like, I think he has more than 13 carries for 71 yards. Um, I, I will say that that I think this defense, this is what I've been saying all offseason. I was shocked that Arkansas had 280 yards. 91 yeah. of that, though, was on the first drive of the game. Right, right. And you, you saw a defense that really put the clamps down. And what is the mark of a really, really good football team? It, one of them, in my opinion, and if this is a seamless transition before we go on to the next game, halftime adjustments. Yeah, what do yeah. really good coaches do? And that is make halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw somebody joked about it on Twitter. It's like, whatever Kirby said to them boys that at halftime used to go up in a plaque on the Buttsmere building. It, like, what, what Georgia was able to do, Seven to five at the half against a really bad Arkansas not really bad, but a team that's been bad over the past couple of years and kind of be punched in the mouth and shocked and you're a long way from home, man. You're out in f effing Fayetteville. You know what I mean? Like you're nowhere near Athens. So it's it's like what they were able to do in the second half and what that defense was able to do and really put that team on its back was really impressive.
1: I had Candler and Perry texting me. Shout out to our UGA yeah. buddies. They were texting me during the game, like trying to have yeah, I me mean, talk talk them off the ledge because was, was Perry in there moments. too? Candler was there. I don't think Perry was there. If I'm not mis- I don't think Perry was there. If Perry was okay. there, I'm I'm not sure. But he just um, got a
0: new job, by the way. Congrats to him. Oh, congrats to him. Perry. Yeah. Congrats,
1: to Perry. And Georgia covered for him yesterday, so I'm yeah. doing a little bit well. That guy <laughs> does well gambling. He definitely does. Yeah, he does. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting seeing all these dynamics for Georgia unfold. But in a lot of ways, kind of similar to what we thought. We should expect from this team, this offense is still very much a work in progress. Yeah. I am looking forward to the JT Daniels aspect of it. The team that Georgia is going to face next week, Auburn, looked good. Looked good. We Bro,
0: that under that over-under is 13, I'm taking the under.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have some time to guess the lines later on with right. that we were dead wrong on this. We were dead wrong. We have been super high on Kentucky. Yeah. We both picked Kentucky to win this game outright.
0: <laughs> Double digits. Oh man.
1: Um and there was a point, there was a point in this game where it really looks like, okay, this is kind of what we thought. Kentucky Kentucky early on looked really good. I thought the first the first couple drives that they had yeah. was the exact Kentucky team that I've been hearing about all offseason. And then it kind of seemed like once they had the very controversial goal line sequence, it sort of went south. And actually, maybe, we're going to get to that in a second here, but it actually might have been Terry Wilson's fumble. When that happened with oh Kentucky down two. Was he two. touched? I don't think he was touched. I don't think third he was touched he
0: fumbled. Third and five. I don't know why. Third and he five,
1: yeah. And didn't then, like Ed, the
0: play call. It will be. Mm.
1: Eddie Grant Sorry. did not have himself a good day. He didn't have himself a good day. Go off on
0: Eddie Graham. Okay, so, like, yesterday when this was happening, me being, admittedly, um it, like, I'm, I was pulling for Kentucky because I had Kentucky winning by double digits. I already saw Instagram and, like, the hundreds of comments directed at me for being an idiot on this game, and I was like, I can't wait to rub this in their face. Chris Rodriguez, who I thought – I know you said that you had the I most yards. He he was clearly the worst back in that – I don't know why and smoke didn't get more carries. Was, yeah. was, there were so many things that went wrong for Kentucky. Um and and when the, the touchdown that was overturned, I lost it. Had a full on like my dad that I don't talk to meltdown. And I don't care how that sounds. I was like, every year, every year they they have some kind of some kind of absolute effing miracle, and I was pissed. And and going into the half. Kentucky was the better team, I thought, in the first half. I thought Bo they Nix were, was too. Bo Nix yeah. he was 7 of 14 for like 112 yards, something like that. Most of that going to Seth Williams. Yep. They, they did not look like they were that great. Halftime adjustments. Halftime adjustments. Ken Bo Nix steal. came out and lit the damn world on fire in the second half. Three touchdown passes. Looked awesome in the Chad Morris offense. I was way off on that. Looked like a much-improved passer, which, like – didn't think I was going to be saying this in Week One, you know, with with a, a good Kentucky team. I'm still a little what, skeptical of what, Bonics, though.
1: I'm still a little bit sure, skeptical because sure. Seth Williams, some of the catches that he's making, you're just like, all right, oh my god, you're just Seth putting it up there. That I mean. When he flexed on Kelvin Joseph, there it was like—how was that
0: not a flag? Because he he pushed him down to the know. face and then flexed on him, and it was cool. If it was like, like, if you know, like I I thought it was awesome that he did it. Like I I love arrogance like from like players and stuff and like flexing on people.
1: That was, uh, but I just was yeah. kind of
0: surprised. But also Kelvin Joseph kind of deserved it because he was. Oh, he was John. He was John. They were all both John.
1: Big time. Yeah. I love that though. So, that, that was fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it was fun to watch. I, I will say that that touchdown that they they didn't call was. One of the most horrifically bad calls that terrible. I have seen. Missed, Absolutely terrible. That's right up there with the Devin White targeting penalty. That was unbelievably bad. It might even be worse. It might, it might. The whole thing is your body has to have touched the front part of the white line of the end zone, right? His his right foot was over the line, like the outside of his right foot. He was turned. His entire right? entire like was like leaning in. And and then and that was the furthest I think from like he wasn't over the line like he had the ball in his right hand he's leaned over the entire thing and they're like and the, the play stands when Tom Hart said touchdown yeah. Kentucky I jumped up and I was like boom because again had them winning by double digits needed that those points to watch Gus Malzahn get pissed or fake pissed I can't believe they called that targeting penalty and then have have people say afterwards like like I had people on Facebook and I think they were kidding because Auburn their fans are funny and and like. They're good on social media. Like, you don't see a lot of Auburn fans like legitimately talking trash, like like in a rude way. Like, they're just classier than that. Um, but like people saying like his knee was down. Like, no, his, if his knee was down, they would have spotted been, it. Yeah. they would have spotted the two yard line. His exactly. knee wasn't down. They, they, they spotted the it inside the one yard line. Yeah. But the bottom line from all that is the fact that when you look at that play, Kentucky was not able to recover from that. And yeah. and say what you will about how unfair it was and it was a bad call because it was a bad call and all that kind of stuff. That's not what dictated. That that's not what should have dictated that entire game. And good football teams overcome adversity. And Auburn was able to come in. Now again, I thought it was a horse blank call. I'll say because I said it on Twitter it was a call. But like at the same time, they 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 having the targeting penalty call, they called back on the pick. It was six. a makeup call. Yes, agreed. It was a makeup call. Um, no doubt. No. It was it was the right call. Call quote unquote. But at the same time, it was, it was yeah, like, like Gus even said, he's like, I hope it was a common-sense foul. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a bad call. So you go to the second half, and then you start to see, I hate to say it like this, but Kentucky kind of become Kentucky. And, and be yeah, what you're what right. People, like, why people didn't take them seriously going into this game, because, and they fell into that. And, and there were several moments where it happened where we talk about the third and five on the fumble right before that play. Right before that play, on third and five, right, in a, in a, in a key situation where you, you got to have it. Third and five, they snap the ball as Auburn jumps off sides. Automatic first down. Mark Stoops had called a timeout. Yeah. Terrible timing. Tough break. I hate to say You guys know we love Mark Stoops. The fake punt. I don't know who's at fault for that. If that Awful. was a read. There Awful. was a couple of times in the game where I saw that. I go, oh, my God, he could run for this all day. And I don't know if he saw that. It's yeah. like, I'm doing it next time. It was a really bad decision. And ultimately, I think... That game was over at that point. Poor Max Duffy. Um,
1: Best punter in America, and he's got to look like yeah. that. Dang. I don't Poor know what guy. that
0: was about. And then the other stuff was just like, I mean, listen, bottom line, like we can sit here and talk about that one play all we want if you're Kentucky fans and wallow in it, but the bottom line is Auburn came out and was the better football team from start to finish, especially in the second half, and they made the halftime adjustments. And, and i tell you what, if you, wanna, if you want the perfect example as to, like, who played a better football game, who deserved to win this game, look at Bo Nix in the second half. And his performance, and I, and I know that, yeah, there's still questions all that kind of stuff, but how many damn times did we see Terry Wilson look rusty? And it, it, it makes sense as to why, and yeah. I understand why. Um, he doesn't look like he's as fast as he used to be necessarily or that kind of stuff. But Shifty, I tell you what, but man, not as fast, every, yeah. every quarterback that I saw the entire day, the entire day, which if, yeah, also didn't, like, on a, on a pretty key second down, didn't go dive for the first down. And, and slid a yard short, and they ultimately didn't get the, the third down either. Like that was that was another issue. But, like, there was – I saw all day this happened. Setson Bennett did it later in the game, yeah. <laughs> later in the day against Georgia. You snap the ball, and the other team is offsides, right? What do you do if you're a quarterback? Free play. Free play. You don't check down and throw the ball one yard past or behind the line of scrimmage, which I saw yeah. him do multiple times.
1: I want to give Kevin Steele some credit. Because, yeah. you know, we talked about this Auburn defense throughout – The entire offseason, this is a good example of like something that for the last nine months, I feel like I've been saying the same thing. And then I saw one week of it. I'm like, well, geez, in hindsight, I look like an idiot. We kept talking about losing two general generational players up front and against that Kentucky offensive line. What was Auburn really going to look like without Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson? This is why Kevin Steele is the highest paid defensive coordinator in the country, because you talk about adjustments that they made in that game. They were ready to go. They had Terry Wilson snuffed out. They knew his limitations. They knew what Kentucky was going to try and do. And after that, Cavassier smoked touchdown run early when I tweeted out Kentucky's cooking, they were, they absolutely were KJ Britt. And that defense looked infinitely better, infinitely better. And that was an Auburn defense that I looked at and said, you know what? They're going to be a problem. They're absolutely going to be a problem. Right. And I think that with Kevin Steele on those sidelines, Auburn's just going to have a chance. And I, while I still think that Auburn's offense is very much a work in progress, and I think that Bo Nix, he still does some of the things that that just frustrate you. And Jordan Rogers brought up such mm-hmm. a great point on the broadcast. He said, the problem with Bo Nix that I, that I continue to have is that his default is that he always scrambles right. He never scrambles yeah. left. Back across and he can't make that throw he doesn't want to make that throw and once defenses kind of figure that out it 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 takes away half the field for one and then it pretty much puts him in a spot where it's like he's either gonna take a really bad sack or he's gonna throw the ball away and it's gonna be a wasted down and he gets a little bit of this happy feet stuff it's almost it's almost a default and I still need to see what that looks like on a continuous basis because we've seen with Seth Williams like Seth Williams can show it in flashes in his yeah. career. And Anthony Schwartz is a little bit of the same way Albeit in a very different sort of like mm-hmm. type of wrinkle in that offense. But like Seth Williams week to week doesn't always have it. He doesn't always look like that wide receiver one that you can just throw it up to and he's going to go up and make a play like he did yesterday. So I don't know if that's the reliable source of offense because that ground game isn't necessarily on that level where they could really, like, it's not your prototypical mid-2010s Gus ground game, at least not yet. With that offensive line, I don't expect it to be. And there are going to be times when Bo Bo Nix is going to have to get out of that habit because that still drives me nuts watching him do some of those things.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been as hard on, uh, that sounded weird, Um, (laughs) on... (laughs) Uh, on on Bo Nix as as anybody, and uh, you know, but but I you got to give the kid credit for how he performed in the second half and when he that looked, game was
1: yeah he looked better in the second seven. half yeah. yeah
0: and and I thought you know I, forgot, I think Cole Cole Kubik brought up by the way side note how much like there was not a better way for me and, and I'll fan girl here for a second even though they're like our friends now especially Tom but like. How much fun was it yesterday watching the first game of the 2020 SEC with those, season with with those our guys. guys? It, was, it was, great. was so much fun, man. I loved Cole, it. J- I mean, like they're just they're just dudes, man. It was it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. So, I, t- um, I was
1: texting Tom like at, at halftime, because yeah. he because he brought up like a line from my Terry Wilson story yeah. about the Justin Herbert thing about Justin Herbert looking like an NFL guy and realizing right after he got to Oregon, oh yeah, this guy yeah. is much better than a three-star recruit. But I was I said like. In all seriousness, like this this call has been fantastic. I have missed mm-hmm. this so much, like getting to watch those three guys. I'll, I'll watch any game that they do. You know that right. like Saturday night in the SEC is what they usually do, but it was great. You're you're 100 right, yeah. and it just made that maybe as much as anything else made me feel like things were sort of back to normal.
0: Yeah, that, that was it was fun, man. It really was. I, so I'll say this. Um, Kevin Steele deserved a lot of credit. I thought he did great. I, I, I thought, like, like I think today I'm trying to own up to the fact that like you're where I'm wrong and stuff like that, especially. And um, that, that Auburn defense looked good. Auburn was outgained by 60 yards in this game. We'll and, figure. and you can yeah. say whatever you want about, like, how, you know, like, that defense, I think they still have some holes. I think, you know, Kavassie's smoke having seven carries for 62 yards, I still don't understand why he wasn't giving the ball more. I mean, they, they loved running was he rows on? right in between the tackles. Was that...
1: He might have been. He might have been. I. I don't know that for sure. But what? Kavasi smoked a little bit banged up.
0: Maybe. I. I mean, Rodriguez looked like he was banged up. Like, he did not like look,
1: look like himself. No.
0: It was. It was. Um, it was surprising. Like those. Those plays were surprising to me. The Auburn run game. You know, I think it's a good Kentucky defense. Bo Nix is your leading rusher with five carries for thirty-four yards. Not great. That, that is. Great. That is different. So, I think. You know, the Chad Morse offense, they put up a stat at one point and it was like how much Bo or how much Gus Mazan runs, like, you know, percentage of his plays that are running plays versus passing plays, and they showed Chad Morse's. And it's, it's vastly different. Um, it's very and, different, and, yeah. It's very different. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes. At the same time, I, Cole brought this up. I thought it was great to see Bo Nix dropping back and throwing passes. And, and, and like, the, straight the ball drop out of his back, hand yeah. quick. Yeah, the straight drop back. Without play of ball action. Without play action. Without, like, some oopty do excuse my language again, um, where it's like, you know, and, and I, I said this <laughs> the first thing, I was like, you're going to see so much, as my college coach used to always say, high school hairy bull blank with Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn, but I tell you what, man, that first play, the, the two-point conversion, changed the dynamic of the whole damn it did. game.
1: It did. It really Honestly, did, and I hate yeah.
0: I hate to say that because I hate stuff like that, but it really did change the dynamic of the whole, whole game, and it was, you know, get your points where you get your points. So... Have, like, watching Chad Morris' offense I thought was, was impressive. It was better than I thought it would be. I, I think the narrative about that Seth Williams thing, sure, let's let it play out, all that kind of stuff, I think we're going to have to ch- – you're going to change that tune in two. I want to see – yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to see him against Georgia, but at agreed. the same time. like, And, and the thing, the question I have here for moving forward for Auburn is this. Like, I, I, I was talking about the defense, how it wasn't going to be as great, and they did give up almost 400 yards This this team. Granted, Kentucky had the ball – a lot like they had they had the ball for most i think it was like uh 21 minutes in the first half they had the ball for 36 total minutes so that would probably speak to as to why they had 60 more yards of total offense at the same time this kevin Steele defense is it's not a bend but don't break defense at all but my god are they good in the red zone Very i mean good. they're they're always good in the red zone my question for this auburn team moving forward is if you are not going to be able to run the football like we saw they weren't able to do this weekend and you have to rely on bo nicks throwing the ball to win the game is he going to be able to do that? Are him and Seth Williams going to be able to do that? Um, I don't That's know. Like, my like question. Next week against Georgia, I think, is is huge. If, if we can see – if Bo Nix goes out there and plays like he did in the second half against Woo! Georgia, that would be incredible. The last question I have here, okay? Why the hell did Anthony Schwartz only have three touches?
1: You know, I thought it was going <laughs> to be more. I always think it's going to be more because whenever he gets the ball, you know it's a, it's a bad sign when – you felt this collective like gasp. I felt like whenever yeah. he touched the ball, and like, oh, what's gonna happen? And it's Anthony Schwartz and Kadarius Tony in a way are kind of two of the exactly. same. exactly. They're two of the same, but I, I just tend to think that there's like there's only so much like he's you can't get him touches. Yeah all over the field in the way that you think you maybe can. And and I realized, like, just because some of the downfield stuff with him isn't quite the same. It's, like, a little bit like, why why doesn't Demetrius Robertson, if he can outrun everybody, why doesn't he get more touches in the Georgia offense? It's, like, well, because... I don't know, but I've
0: I've never seen Demetrius Robertson, like, have even remotely close the same success as... Anthony Schwartz says every time he touches the ball, I feel like, and you can't keep saying, "Hey, we got to give this kid eight to ten touches," and then he gets three. It's the I same old thing. I yeah, think he like, needs more touches. Yeah, I just wish. I wish in the same sense. It's like I always bring this reference up, and it's it's perfect. Okay, it's perfect because I weighed myself yesterday. But it's like if you're gonna sit here and be like, "Hey, man, I gotta lose some weight." Lose some weight, Chris. If you gotta if you gotta sit here and be like Dan Bones, like we gotta get Kadarius Tony more touches. If you're, if you're Gus if you and he did, we'll get to that later. But like Gus Malzon keeps saying, like, we gotta get Anthony Schwartz eight to ten touches. Then get him eight to ten touches. At least get him over five. Why is he at three? So many, so many prime numbers. I hate it.
1: The good news for Auburn is that Auburn gets a very nice week one yep. win ahead of the Georgia game. South Carolina, I've got three words for you. Peter, Peter, Peter! Unreal! Just fire, get away! Fire, fire! Just get away from the punt. Yeah. Such a South Carolina way to not necessarily lose that game, but not it have was. a chance to win that game. Yeah. Um, Tennessee holds on for the four point win in Columbia. Uh, inadvertent touch on a punt with 80 <sighs> seconds left. We didn't get the final Colin Hill drive, which I, I would have really liked to see because there were some yeah. moments where I'm like, "Oh, Colin Hill!" You know, I, I get it. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of liking it. The the connection that he and Shai Smith had, it was fun to see. Pruitt said it best after the game. Tennessee played in spurts. I thought Garantano's key drive with the Josh Palmer touchdown was like. Boom, chef's kiss. Yeah. When Garantano is at his best, that's exactly what he is doing. And at the same time, though, like there, Tennessee is not a complete team. They're, they're not. Yeah. Tennessee fans would tell you that. The running game needs improvement. I think, obviously, you would love to have a more confident quarterback there. No doubt about it. And defensively, I didn't think that they were perfect by any stretch. They had some big gashes, specifically, too, with the, the Shy Smith play yeah. as well. But that's the type of game that Tennessee loses 12 months ago. And Tennessee yeah. is now sitting there with the longest winning streak in the country at seven games, yeah, which is it. just a, a wild, <laughs> wild thought. So good for Tennessee for being able yeah. to hold on to that win and kind of continue what they did in the latter half of 2019, which was make some of those correct adjustments, maybe get a little bit of magic, to a, a ball to bounce your way later on. But, you know, Tennessee is able to survive on the road. And to my surprise, Will Muschamp's pregame pump-up video did not inspire a win.
0: So that was from two years ago. Apparently, I oh, saw that. It. Um, I know. On, I man. was fired up. But you know, this had this was a great SEC football game from start to finish. It was awesome. I, I loved it. It was it was so much fun to watch. Um, I, I had a great time watching this game. Some there's just Will Muschamp. I love the death. He's doing a great job with recruiting. And, and and again, like you know, the South Carolina being realistic about where like your your program is and all that kind of stuff. I, I know that we see different on this because you're going to think logically about how the money to buy them out, but it's just like, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting, expecting different, different results. results. It, it, and I just sit here and I watch this team and I watch this program and what's, what's really changed? You know what I mean? Like what's really changed? And, and this is... This is the kind of, you just said, this is the kind of game that Tennessee loses 12 months ago. Well, I'll tell you what, man. This is the kind of game that South Carolina loses 12 months ago, and 24 months ago, and 18, <laughs> and 9, and like, yeah. and this is, this is the game, like, they don't win football games like this. They don't win close, after, outside of 2017 or whatever it is, and they went like 6-1 and one in one score games. Yep. They don't do this, and it, it's so frustrating to watch, and it, it's got to be, I, I got a ton of South Carolina fans, um, my sister, shout out, my sister got engaged this weekend. Ooh, um, congrats. Yeah, so, um, but like, you know, sitting there talking about it with like other people, not my sister, but like other people uh, that are South Carolina fans and, and, and Chris Phillips, Bearded Tomato, it's got to be so damn frustrating. It's, oh, yeah. it's the same thing. Oh, You see the same thing over and over. This was different because they put up 27 points. The offense looks better. But I mean, you got outgained by Tennessee's offense and you had the ball for 10 minutes more. Um, the defense did not look nearly as good as we thought it would. It, they, they had moments where they looked good. But I mean... Jesus Christ, man. You take Shai Smith, who is maybe, what, the eighth best receiver in the SEC East. I mean, not really. He's a good receiver. But I'm saying, like, it, like he's, probably, he's probably the eighth best receiver in the SEC, right? They're
1: a Shy Smith injury away from not being able to throw the ball.
0: Exactly. That's and the they problem. already can't run the football. And so yeah. it's like, oh, my God, what are we doing? And so it was just Jared Garantano became Jared Garantano in the second half, I think. That in was the a, first half, That was
1: very much a vintage JG game, in, in a lot of ways. Half. In a yeah. lot of ways, it was. He
0: looked good in the first half. He was like six to seven at one point. I Thought like Josh Palmer looked
1: yards. good. Josh Palmer looked yeah. good too. Hi uh, Chandler. So,
0: yeah. um, I just you know I, I was, I was. <laughs> first off, side note, <laughs> my head coach. This is not a shot at Tennessee because I love what Jeremy Pruitt's doing and I think he's he's bringing a toughness to that team that is. They've been missing for a decade, probably since Phil Fulmer was gone. I think he's bringing a toughness to that whole program. But if my head coach ever said, I'm tickled to death that we won the game, I would... I would riot.
1: I was wondering. I feel like not enough was made of that. that was when I heard so him say that, I heard him say I'm that. I'm tickled like, to
0: death. We won I think. This
1: game. I think. I tend to think though. Sometimes when you have such an adrenaline rush after coming off of a big time win like that, and you just, yeah, you just kind of say things when you're in front of a microphone. I'm, that I've, soon after, I've had but. a lot of
0: adrenaline in my life and caffeine. <laughs> I've never once said tickled, um, like that. I, I just, but, but you know, I, I not taking like that aside. Let's not take away from anything from this win because I thought it was a great win. And, and you're starting to look at this Tennessee program and. and I don't have the, the schedule in front of me because these damn maids moved everything in the house. But, like, if, if Tennessee is able to continue where they're going. Like, I, I don't know if Tennessee beats Georgia or Florida or anything like that. But Tennessee, I'm not saying they're back to Philip Fulmer level stuff at all. Tennessee is back to being a threat in the SEC. I think that's fair to say. They, they've, they've won enough games. I mean, they've won seven straight games. They've won four away from home. They've won six straight in the, in the conference. Like, they've done enough, I think, to, to say that, like, this team is a threat, and they're, they're in frisky. the top half of the conference. Frisky. That's yeah. a weird thing to say. That, t- that tickles me to death.
1: Henry to O to O. Pick Baller. six. Pick six. Big-time play from him, kind of exactly what Tennessee kind of needed in that spot as well. That's just yeah. what they do. That is what a Jeremy Pruitt defense does. It comes up with that big-time defensive play, and it finds a way. It yeah. finds a way. That has become the identity of this Tennessee team. Very, very intrigued to see what unfolds for the Vols moving forward. A We're talking Could about this game for th- two minutes, top. I'm <laughs> over it already. AM beats Vandy by five. I thought AM was going to waltz to a win. I, I thought we'd be seeing third-string quarterbacks in this game, and I get the defense. I get the defense. Look, you got Bama next week. Maybe they didn't want to have anything Th- that was too crazy. I saw Kellen had, like, a rushing attempt late in the third quarter, and usually – it, that That's a sign that, that AM really doesn't want to roll out the entire bag of tricks because I tend to think that they would have run him more and used him more in those spots if they really thought it was necessary. Credit AM's defense, which Mike Elko's unit looked apart again, and they're facing a true freshman quarterback, Ken Seals, the top baseball card legend, <laughs> Ken Seals, who actually, his touchdown pass was really, really
0: good. Like, have really you, have good. He's the, the second. Uh... Meet the Parents, I think it was like Meet the Falkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when, remember when they're trying to figure out who, like, that Greg's illegitimate child is? They thought it was his, like, child because he looks just like him. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, no, no, your dad was a minor league baseball player. That minor league baseball player, like that top score, that's all I ever see. That's Ken all Seals. I ever see when I hear about Ken Seals.
1: Yeah. Um, for A&M, though, this was troubling. This was troubling because it confirmed concerns. It confirmed concerns that this offense is just in a very, very tough spot with all of the guys that they have lost to either opt-outs, the NFL draft, season-ending injuries. It was evidence. Kellen Mond didn't have a go-to receiver. He really didn't. It wasn't there. Even Jalen Watermeyer, who I'm very, very high on, did not necessarily get that type of separation. And this is an offense that, man, I don't know how they're going to stack up against some of these elite SEC defenses because it looked awfully similar to some of the, the things that we saw last year. And maybe yeah. Kellen Mon getting involved more so in the running game is kind of like the thing that's really going to get them going. But I don't even think that's a, that's a good enough excuse because you need receivers to get separation in this league. You just do. And, and AM. and doesn't have that yet. They just don't. Maybe that they'll no. get that. But against Vandy, with all the the opt outs and you know loss that, that Vandy has had to deal with this off placing both coordinators to beat that team by five points at home—that's the easiest game on your schedule. How in the world does that happen?
0: So first off, positives—they gave up 101 total yards in the second half after being up seven to five. At the Mike half- Elko's good
1: at his job. He's very good at yeah. his job.
0: My here's here's what concerns me. If I'm a M. And I've been as high on Kellen Mond as anybody. I definitely thought he was going to have more, more help. This run game looked good. Isaiah Spiller, eight carries for 117. Aeneas Smith, that kid's gonna be a stud. 10 for 51, right? Kellen Mond had the most Kellen Mond stat line of all time. I know he did. 17 of 28, 189 yards of one and one touchdown. Like if you were if you were like, remember when I did those fake basketball scores for March Madness? Like, like, and I was like, oh my god, so-and-so had he was had 21 and 8. Like, this is exactly the line I would have given Kellen Mon if I was making up a score. And and this is I mean I mean, yeah, maybe we have cause for concern. Maybe we have cause for concern for AM. I, I just I, you know, I thought they would they would look vanilla on offense on purpose. <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna be like this. And I tell you what, I was watching the replay. And they ran the option at one point, and I said, why the hell are they running the option? And it was like the best play they had all
1: game. Well, they fumbled late, too, when they ran that. That was the problem. Uh, They actually gave Vandy a chance to potentially win the game. Can you – can you imagine let's, if AM had lost that that opener to oh, Vandy at home?
0: they got to play Bama next week. I love it. Um, let's yes. move on and make Florida fans happy. I don't know why let's, you have this game so low.
1: Well, I, I, I kind of, I, you know, I, I, got to, I wanted yep. to be able to close with something that wasn't just like a and yep. So I wanted to be able to close with a couple of games with, with, with my some game contenders. Last. All
0: right, cool. Yeah, keep going.
1: Yeah. Uh, Florida's offense lighting up Ole Miss. Now, I thought Ole Miss defensively looked interesting very similar to what we've yep. been saying throughout this offseason. I think it's going to be the worst defense in the SEC this year. I've said that throughout the offseason. Question the DJ Dirk and Chris Partridge hire a defensive coordinator. But my goodness, two things could be true at the same time. Florida can be really good offensively and looking like a team that's going to be scary to defend, while Ole Miss can also yep. look really, really bad, which I think both of those things are true. Kyle Trask sure, with yeah. six touchdowns. Kyle Pitts can, was can I, unguardable. Can we do it
0: real quick? Can we, I mean, go, can we try to make
1: this a thing? I, I, I think you've been trying to make this thing for the last year and a half, and I don't know how it's successful It's going to be a thing. All right, fire away. Oh, man. the best
0: song you've ever heard in your life. Best song you've ever heard in your life. Uh, uh, best. Trask. 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 All right, Connor. Have, Let's keep it going. Do we have to bleep that? I think we might. No, we don't have to bleep that. Right. Trask and TDs. Kyle Trask had six touchdown passes yesterday, Connor. He was he was seventy one seventy one percent. Um I, I man. So no wait, seventy what is five out of seven? What's 280? I forgot. I forgot all my base. Why are you baseballs trying baseballs? to divide five
1: out oh, of seven? Oh 148.
0: so it's it's two eighty six, so it'd be it'd be seventy one point four percent completion percentage. He looks he looked fantastic yesterday. Kyle Pitts is an absolute problem. Todd Grantham's defense gave up six hundred and thirteen yards.
1: Yes. So here's here's what I want to get into with, uh, with Ole Miss. Because, again, I agree. Like, if you're a Florida fan, that's exactly how you were hoping the offense is going to look. Yeah. Kyle Trask, the, the touch, the confidence to stand in yep. the pocket, the footwork looks exceptional. The footwork looks better than it yep. did last year. And that was maybe the most noticeable thing. Watch the way that Kyle Trask puts touch on a ball compared to somebody like Jared Garantano, and you'll be like, oh, that's way different. Way, way different. You bring up a good point. But Thank you. I'm not going nice to defend... Enough. I'm not going to defend the Florida defense entirely. What I will say is that yesterday you saw early on when you had both of Florida's starting safeties out, senior safeties out after Mm -hmm. the targeting call early on. Yeah. um, And Lane recognized it. Lane recognized it in a hurry. I need to attack downfield. Matt Corral had nearly 400 passing yards and they kept taking downfield shot after downfield shot. And it was evidence I mean it was very very obvious that Lane was going to continue to attack that and he did all day. For a team that might not necessarily be known for that, I mean, with Rich Rodriguez, they weren't. They had the right offensive mind to be able to dial up looks to take advantage of some of those mismatches. And I think Florida in the front seven, especially without Jeremiah Moon, not at the level that they need to be at yet, weren't consistently getting pressure. That was an issue. It was a bad, bad day for the Florida defense. I think they'll get better when they get their starting safeties back. I think that'll make a difference. And they won't have true freshmen starting there. At the same time, it was... So that, there's so a difference great. Between
0: having there's a difference between having and listen, we can never forget about the injuries and I'm not, I'm not gonna you know slip past that or anything like that. Or, People or, won't talk or, about the injuries enough. They don't. <laughs> but there's a difference between 613 yards because of injuries and and, and bro, you gave up 613 yards. Yeah, yep you know that's, that's like I tell you what, you know what you know what scared me for, for Florida more than anything? Jerry and Ely, Jerry and Ely, who looks like a different back than he did last year. And and this is somebody, like, 5'8", 190 pounds. 5'8", 190 pounds. I know he's a five-star running back. I know he's an incredible talent. Love Jerry and Ely. The way he was able to run between the tackles is what scared me for Florida's defense.
1: Did you see that little, like, duck under that he had on that touchdown run? Where Uh he just, like, he basically, he got to the second level of Florida's defense. And, like, Florida tried to tackle him at the, like, you know, like waist high or something yeah. like that. And he just, he found a way to <laughs> duck under it. It was such a weird little move, but it was like, oh, that's not something you would expect somebody who's playing in his right. 13th collegiate game to be able to do.
0: I, you know, yeah, I agree with that. And I th- listen, I don't think, there was never a part of me that really thought Florida was going to lose this game. Florida could have, you said it early on, you're like Florida could put up 40 if they want. And I was like,
1: mm. Florida should have put, I said Bro. it like in the, the first end of the first quarter, yeah, Florida should have put up 40 with ease in this
0: game. There's no right. doubt. Um. What scares me for this this defense is this. And, and listen, Lane Kiffin, incredible coach. Did you see him get off the bus by the way?
1: Oh, that old Miss baseball jersey in the powder blue, man. That was wow, fire. That was something fire. Uh,
0: but but like I, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to come out, and, and and Lane Kiffin is like I said this beforehand. I think like on on the uh, Facebook Live, he has one intangible that that few other people have at his level, and that's his ego. And I mean that in a positive way in terms yeah. of what he's going to be like. He, he is not going to go out there and get embarrassed. Um, you know, from an offensive standpoint and try to get shut down. Ole Miss had the ball in the first half. They had, they, well, I think it was in the first half. Um, I know they had it at least once in the first half inside the 20 yard line. Twice. It wasn't the first half. Twice. And no points. They yeah. lost by 16. The line was 14 and a half. That, That's you know, too close
1: line. for them. They're like a three it's point wh- shooter. You got to get them like, to half court. Yeah. They're like Steph Curry, something like that. You can't a do good that. Point.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But my concern for Florida is this: like I, the offense again looked incredible. Kyle Trask looked incredible. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. Everybody that doubted Kyle Pitts, and I gotta call out West Bum, Bumbrick uh, real quick because he was—he's like—he I don't know if he was drunk or what—and love you to death, West. But he made this comment in the Facebook group, and he was like, he's like, dude, you still you still hating on Trask finishing second in the conference? And I was like, yes. Yes, I am because KJ Costello has thrown for 295 yards in the first half. Yeah, KJ Costello, gonna, <laughs> KJ Costello
1: is going to. KJ leading the SEC in passing. You're not going to talk anybody off that table. No, you're no. not. You're <laughs> no. not.
0: So, um, but but it was it was like watching Kyle Trask. He looked as good as advertised, and we've said on this podcast repeatedly. He was he was both of our our top quarterback coming into the yep. into the season in terms of a talent standpoint. Um, I I didn't think he looked like a first round draft pick, as some people have said, but yesterday made me think. You know, think about that a little bit more. Kyle Pitts is, uh, you know, I heard all offseason how he's a first-round pick. He's going to be the first end taking it on the draft. You you said the kid with all the Z's That's his nightmare. name from Penn State, whatever. Um, that kid, I, I, I haven't seen that kid play as much as I've seen Kyle Pitts, and I, and I'm, I am definitely having some recency bias after yesterday. Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in the country. I think he's a top ten pick in the NFL draft. He is from a receiving an absolute standpoint, no doubt. Problem, from no an, doubt. Yeah, I don't care about blocking. He's an absolutely <laughs> cool man. Um, uh, sure, Alabama's kickers are great from a flexibility standpoint, but not <laughs> making actual field goals. So, um, so uh, Kyle Pitts was was awesome. Um, I'm looking at this this recap real quick. And, and this is not like a like there's so many positives. And granted we could get this whole thing right and they, they got a lot of other teams. They got a lot of the teams that don't have Lane Kiffin as the as the play caller. Exactly. That's that's what there's I was trying five. to get to before. There's a yeah, there's a five next to Florida's name. I know what happened with Oklahoma yesterday. Ohio State isn't playing yet, all that kind of stuff. Is Florida a top five team in the country? I think so. Really?
1: I think so. I I, I think with what they return on offense because the the two parts that, that we like Pitts and, and Trask are the headline yeah. obviously Trayvon Grimes looking that good, and then Kadarius Toney looked as good as I've ever seen him. That run that he had after the catch where he was down. I mean, like, he looked down, but I think people underestimate how strong he is, especially in the lower half, and what he can do when he's healthy. Like, that's the thing that kind of takes them to the next level, and if their offensive line is better than it was last year, which it just has to be, and I think it was, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis finally healthy as well. Florida is a problem offensively. They're going offensively, to be really yeah. difficult to guard. I it, defensively, obviously they need those improvements. Yeah. But yeah, I mean let's, compared let's not, they, they looked yeah, elite.
0: They, were, they they were also up big in this game. Yeah. They, this was and and they had turnovers and Emory Jones, all that kind of stuff. So there's there's like listen, start to finish, start to finish with Kyle Trask, he could have had eight touchdowns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think that's how good this offense is. And 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 I'll go back to saying this like as soon as you brought up you think they're a five, a top five team, fine. I'm talked back into it. They're top five team. It's it'll be interesting to see the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The the world's largest indoor argument. It's just like those two fan bases all all season. But if you're like, just let me be clear when I say this: if you're a Georgia fan and you're talking, you're talking trash about Florida and their defense, and you're like it's the same thing as Florida fans talking trash about Georgia's offense. We are about to see. An incredible, incredible. Um, I, I just think, like, the way this offense is and the, for Florida, and the way the defense is for Georgia, I think this is going to be a, a great, great rivalry this year uh, in, a, in a great game. Grantham's got to get some stuff worked out. Matt he Corral does. looked good. I tell you what, man, we talked about this as kind of a joke. John Rice Plumley only having one, one pass attempt, John Rice Plumley only having four rush attempts. He was playing three three different positions. He was playing
1: three different positions in the first series of the game. You
0: gotta figure, like, listen, like, you have to figure out what your lane is. I know that's a perfect metaphor. Yeah. you're welcome, guys. But like, you have to figure out what your lane is, and I'm not even saying you have to. You have to like stay in it, but you gotta you gotta at least stay in it sixty to seventy percent of the time. You gotta find this kid is too talented to not have a role in the offense, but you gotta find out what that role is.
1: Can I say this?
0: No, absolutely not. We gotta move on.
1: I'm I'm officially I'm officially in love with Ole Miss, like oh my god they, I, no 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 for, they are if I'm an Ole Miss fan I'm not saying this as like yeah. I'm actually gonna like root for Ole Miss I'm in love with watching Ole Miss
0: oh yeah oh, watching yeah. Ole Miss
1: is Fun. my new most appointment viewing team in the country because yeah. every single week you're gonna see these little wrinkles from Lane yeah. you're gonna see Matt Corral doing Matt Corral things with the El- <laughs> with the LL Coolio haircut, that was... What was that? Or no, it was... Um,
0: Connor, LL Coolio is not a person. What did you No, say? no,
1: no, no. I, I said LL Coolio. Will, cut it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I combined LL Cool J and Coolio. That was my I mistake. I know what you did. Yeah, yeah. That was... All right. We're going to bleep that part out.
0: <laughs> no, we're not. We're, no, we're not.
1: You got me out of my train of thought. You went too long <laughs> yeah. on the last thought. I'm going to blame you for that one. Let me get back to my thought. Gosh, that hair is that hair is something. It um, is something. Ole Miss is electric, and yeah. I I love it because this is this is going to be so fun to watch in year one before those expectations really set in because defensively they're going to allow so many points, but offensively they can do so many different things, and I yep. can't wait to watch it. Elijah Moore, by the way, currently leading yeah, the SEC in right receiving. That. Currently leading good. the SEC and receiving looks very very good, and Jerry Neely as well. I'm just I'm so excited for the possibilities of this offense. Yeah. And if you are if you are now the the fan who is watching an, uh, an SEC game, or and you're like, hey, I just need something to watch before my team yeah. plays or something like that. Watch Ole Miss. Just just it's watch Ole, Ole Miss. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be great.
0: Ole Miss, Ole Miss the, I don't I don't know how to say this, but they're like the fluffers of the of the SEC. <laughs> On that insane. fine note, it's probably too much um i should have compared him to my favorite rapper run big all That's right all right <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll take the lead on this one i know
1: gangster's paradise i do i do i don't know why do you know i Fantastic said that i i beefed up i beefed up beefed alabama cruising past mizzou a game that in my opinion wasn't as close as the final score indicated i'm not just no, saying the that because it
0: looked awful from what i heard no
1: i'm not just saying that because mizzou scored a, a buzzer beater yeah. touchdown to get to 19 points but I, I thought Bama came out and did a lot of the things that we really expected to. And while they kind of took their foot off the gas offensively, um, Bama not covering, though, because they weren't going to cover even if Mizzou had scored, even if Mizzou didn't score that last touchdown, it wasn't, like, a yeah. terrible beat. Bama not covering was still probably the biggest surprise of the day. No, I'm kidding. Um, but Saban had been 12-1 covering in openers and yeah. did not cover in this game. And I think part of that is a credit to... A little bit of a credit to this Mizzou defense, which you knew that they were going to be facing a severe disadvantage. But at the same time, it's like, all right, you see Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell. uh, They looked ridiculously good. Najee Harris is healthy. Three touchdowns for him. Dylan Moses is back, and he looks darn good. That dude was all over the place. I know he had the collision with Larry Roundtree as well, but I'm so happy to see that that guy healthy.
0: I'll tell you what, Mizzou's sideline drew some ire from this guy um <laughs> i love i love the whole like hyped up but when you're getting beat by four touchdowns and you're celebrating a hit like that
1: you would do that you would do that don't lie. i would
0: not if we're getting beat by 28 no absolutely not like if we were up by 28 yeah I'd, I'd nuts and face <laughs> sure whatever but like that is I, that is that was i was surprised by that um so listen i thought i thought eli Drinkwitz had a uh, had a, had a Overall, I thought he had a good first day uh, in the SEC. I thought it was, it was nice okay. to see. You got some stuff in the quarterback situation. Well, I mean, like for what he was going up against. Yeah. Now, listen, yeah. There was stuff that I was hearing throughout the week from Mizzou people, <laughs> like people that I trust, um, saying there. There's rumors of, and I didn't say this on the podcast because just you know because, but um, there were rumors about Mizzou coaches driving on golf carts on campus throughout the week, looking for play, like looking for pe- like normal students. That had a physical frame that they might be able to walk on to add depth to this team. There was there was substantial rumors before the Alabama plane took off on Friday that that Eli drinkowitz called Bama and was like, "Hey, like, we, there's a ch- we had positive tests. There's a chance we might not be able to field enough players. Like seven offensive, you have to have eight offensive or seven offensive lineman. They had eight.
1: Okay, in in their defense, in Drinkwitz's yeah. defense. I think that's just something coaches should be doing regularly, pandemic or not. Just drive around a golf yeah. cart, look on your campus. You've got tens of thousands of kids. you never yeah. know when you're going to find the next ringer and you're going to be like, oh, hey, that's a good that, point. Kid's, that kid's 6'7", 350. Put him in a jersey. Yeah. Let's go.
0: Um, so, you know, I thought the second half, I I, I was frustrated with it. There was There were people that um, the immediate reaction, I, I love it. I love it uh, hearing the immediate reaction of, well, Bama's defense looks shaky. Bama's defense gave up 132 yards in the fourth quarter. They gave up 322 overall. So <laughs> before the fourth quarter, when you have all the starters out, I'm not. I really thought they looked good. About that I thought they I, looked. The really defense good. looked at the, like Jay Woody love to death. He texted me at halftime. Bama's was up 28 to three. They've given up 113 total yards, and he's like, "Dude, the run defense look good. They're, this is Mizzou running on us. Mizzou had average 2.7 yards per carry. The defense looked good." I, I think I think from a receiving standpoint, overall for four quarters, they did not. It, I was frustrated, not even just from a gambling standpoint, but they didn't compete for four straight quarters, and that's what pissed me off. And and I was, you know, as I as I aggressively said to my beautiful fiance, I said, "All of this matters. All of this matters because you have to get better week in and week out. And in the SEC, there's so many things we could work on. So when you have the ball at the 20 yard line and you lose 30." 30 yards and throw uh, and fumble and like in the next two plays, and Mizzou gets the ball back and then ends up scoring. All of that matters because you gotta work on field goals. I was glad to see they did that. This this was something where I mean the offense I think only ended with four hundred and fourteen total yards. Um not great. Got some I guess, short fields
1: to work with as well.
0: Yeah, but but like there was never a point where I was like the first drive, I think it was a three and out, there was never a point where I was super worried. I thought I thought all the things that needed to happen in this game for them to get build on confidence, stuff like that. They haven't. Again, this is a Missouri team that kept the DC from last year was a very good defensive team. And that's not trying to make an excuse, but like Missouri's defense is not. they top twenty. Missouri's defense not a last good year. football team. They were top twenty defense last year. They have Justin Gillisley, and in, in the, in the safety is really really good. Nick Bolton, did you see him accelerate to that, that tackle on Najee?
1: I mean, I saw. Well, I saw the fumble recovery late as well that he had uh, on the Bryce Young play. And, yeah. i mean nick bolton's nick bolton's everywhere he's everywhere
0: everywhere everywhere but if there's one thing i had to take away from this God, trey sanders i'm looking at the numbers now trey sanders nine carries one yards not ideal for us um but here's the thing Jalen waddle looks fantastic Jalen waddle looks like one of the best players in the country mac jones and we heard all offseason from band fans saying how mike jones is gonna be good i've been very high on Mac, mac, mac jones. jones. Mac jones it, it has nothing – what's that?
1: You slipped in a little Mike Jones. We're we're, doing, we're crossing oh. up our, our rapper yeah. references today. That's just like – that was the theme of the day. We're all doing it. It's casual.
0: I thought I said Mac Jones. Um, but regardless, Mac Jones has 18, 18 for 24, 75%, 249 yards, two touchdowns. It's not, it's not the numbers because he's got a lot of talent around him, all that kind of stuff. I get it. It's not the numbers that impress me. It's the way he delivers the football in moments where – other quarterbacks, I think, especially at Bama in the past, would not like. Where, where Nick Bolton is is like lowering his head and about to absolutely drill you, and you throw a perfect deep ball to Jalen Wall for a touchdown. You step up in the pocket and you hit somebody on a crossing route. Right, I mean, like he, that kid is is really really tough, and and I, I really like what he was able to do at quarterback. Um, Bryce Young, by Bryce the way? Young.
1: I was going to ask My you.
0: My God, uh, the cannon
1: on that kid it was got great. an arm it wasn't great <laughs> but when you see the arm and the throw yeah. that he the first throw that he had where it's a, it's a fumbled snap yeah. and it's supposed to be a screen and he like he's got somebody that's just about to drill him and he somehow gets like this you of? jump throw off i i i, I don't know but the, the arm strength that he had to be able to just like get that ball to the yeah. outside from the far hash i was like holy cow are, that that's what a, it
0: reminded me of because it was his first play and the first touchdown pass that Tua threw was the game you were at against Louisville, where he had the whole spin around. Probably shouldn't have thrown it, but then does throw it to to uh, Jerry Judy in the corner of the end zone across the field. That's what it kind of reminded me of, hmm. of, of, of like him. Interesting like, parallel. Okay. The the most the most impressive play I saw outside of I mean, what Mac Jones? The Mac Jones touchdown, Jalen Waddle, where Jalen Waddle slipped on that unnecessary track that's on in the end zone at Mizzou. I don't know what are we doing with that? What is like what yeah, is I that? Don't know. We just I don't trying know. to get people to pull hamstrings? What are we doing? Yep. So or or like Bruce tailbones, but. At one point, Bryce Young stepped up. I think it was third and eight. He stepped up in the pocket, and, and like, he had at least one foot on the ground, but he was moving forward, like, it was, like, on the run and threw an absolute effing rope to the receiver for a first down, and it looked like I'm not saying he's the same player, but, like, you've, you've, you've always seen, like, quarterbacks like, you need to drop back and you need to, like, unload off your front side or your back side or whatever like the, the mechanics of being a quarterback would be, right? Now you start to see that these, like, aaron Rodgers, like uh, uh patrick mahomes where it's like you're you're not your feet aren't set yeah you you're in an have position. the arm strength yeah. and the, yeah and, and you're able to still hit a pinpoint pass uh, like moving with your body's like all twisted or whatever that was that was that made me happy <laughs> i just I, I don't even know how else to say it i was just like whoa yeah um the there's still a the lot of a lot of room for improvement the punt the punter sucks uh but other than that yeah i thought it was a good day
1: let's save the punning takes for another time we've already gone yeah. a little bit long today sorry guys sunday morning apologies would you like oh, to introduce God. a new segment
0: so a lot of you guys know that uncle slash cousin chris when i was in college was not the greatest person in the world uh big fan of drinking big fan of saying things i probably shouldn't have so we had a little um tradition on sunday mornings in in the grove in Milledgeville, Georgia, go Bobcats, where it was Sunday morning apologies. And I had to um, send out apologies for things I said, things I did, whether it be on Facebook or text or whatever. So I, I, I'm going to start a new series called Sunday morning apologies. And this is not things that I did when I was drunk yet, but things that I said when I was sober. Okay, And so I have, I have a couple people that I owe apologies to. Mississippi State fans, one. I feel like there should be some background music playing during this. Mm, yeah. Um, jump out on the trash can. Let's do the... Okay. No, no. Let's do the Jimmy
1: <laughs> Fallon um, thank you letters. Um. Yeah.
0: We'll put that in. Yeah. Um, so, here you go. Sunday morning apologies. Mississippi State fans. I said I said Mississippi State would finish last in the SEC. I said they might not win a game. Ooh. Man, oh man. Was that wrong? Um, I have a cowbell that I, I have. It's, it's one of my favorite things. It's from the Bellsmith in in uh, in Starkville. They're, they're fantastic. And... It has the SCS logo on it. I removed it off my 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 banister because of people being so mean to me on the internet. I was wrong. You were all right. I, that thing is coming back onto the banister. Um, I, I don't even know what else to say. I was just so wrong. So Mississippi State fans, I doubted your school. I doubted your new head coach, and I apologize for that. Speaking of Mississippi State, Kylan Hill, you are one of my favorite players in the SEC, um, without a doubt, since I've been doing this job. But, you know... <sighs> I, I thought that you would not have the same kind of impact in this offense as a running back. I thought Rakeem Boyd would have a better impact on his team than you. If you look at the stats, week one, guys, Rakeem Boyd, 15. Georgia whatever, defense a little It is my apology, Connor. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I apologize uh, for uh, that. Arkansas, or Rakeem Boyd has 15 touches, 29 yards, zero touchdowns. Kylan Hill, 15 touches as well, Connor, 192 yards, one touchdown. Um, I apologize, Kylan. There's so many things that you've done for this, this program, your state, uh, and, and this, this conference that I love, and I cannot believe I ever doubted you. I'm so sorry, and I, and I apologize. Um, where else should we go? Georgia. Georgia fans. I, I said that this team was gonna make the playoff. You still might. I, that offense is not better than that. Maybe Jake Fromm got some unnecessary hate. So I don't know if it's James Coley or Jake Fromm I need to apologize to. Let's be honest. I'm not going to apologize to Jim Chaney. I'm not going
1: to apologize to Jim Chaney.
0: Um, But I apologize because I was wrong. Tennessee fans, I thought you guys would lose game one to South Carolina because Will Muschamp was desperate and he would need to win that game. Will Muschamp is desperate. It's just not for winning football games. Apparently it's Mm. for attention and that video that leaked out. Um, So I apologize, Tennessee fans. And last but not least, and this one hurts the most, Oliver. Bo Nix, Kevin Steele, all of the above. I said you guys would lose. I said you'd lose by double digits. I was riding the Kentucky train, okay. I was, I was very, very, I was, I was high on some, on some Kentucky bluegrass, okay. I'll just say it. And I thought they were gonna be able to come in there and manhandle you up front. They, they were superior on the offensive line to your defensive line. I said that they had a better backfield. That might still be true, but regardless, Bo Nix coming in throwing three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, outplaying Terry Wilson, the defense stepping up, Kevin Steele doing what he's paid to do. I was wrong. I was wrong. I believe in Auburn, and I love it. And Touching. I apologize. There Touching. you go. it wrong. it wrong.
1: It's a very hard, yeah. hard thing to do. I've got four week one overreactions. I want you to tell me which one won't be an overreaction in a couple weeks. How about that? Okay. George's offense is going to be searching for a quarterback all year. I've also know, got, the rest of them. I've got them. L- LSU's defense is going to be much worse. <laughs> Mississippi State and Florida are about to put up Jesus. 2019 LSU numbers. And the last one, this was trending on Twitter. Shout out to Chris Phillips again. Fire must champ.
0: That one I believe in the most. That is not an overreaction. Um, I think the, the least overreaction... The biggest of a reaction, so it's like hard. Mississippi State's defense, offense is, is going to put up a lot of passing yards that could compare with 2019 LSU numbers that that it won't be the same because it's not the same offense. Because
1: it's volume as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. And think about what, what Clyde edwards was able to do, like running the ball. Um, I think LSU's defense is going to be much worse is, is yep. the most rational reaction because probably it, again we don't know what could have happened with Derek Singley on the field, but like... They needed
1: four Derek Singleys.
0: Everything everything that happened yesterday, like, you think about the first that happened, right? And they happened to a defending national champion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not ideal. So, yeah. Not ideal. Yesterday, Big 12 was fascinating. Big 12 decided that uh, maybe, maybe it could just throw its playoff bid away in September. Yeah. Uh, but then Texas came back. Oklahoma loses again to Kansas State. Go Second bigger. straight year. Go figure. Oklahoma loses a, a random game in the regular season. I look forward to Oklahoma definitely making the playoff and then losing to an SEC team by like 30 points or something like that. Yeah. Texas, meanwhile, was left for dead. Left for dead! And then, what do you know? A touchdown, an onside kick, a yeah. touchdown, an overtime touchdown. Joshua Moore looks looks like the real deal. Sam Ellinger's...
0: fat pig on Twitter that texted me, I don't care how that sounds, that, that tweeted at me about how Hey, remember me? Remember me when they were down by 15 saying I was an idiot for picking Texas to make the playoff. I still might be an idiot for that pick. But they won the game. Like, like just dude, it's like wait five minutes till the game's over. The Sam
1: Ellinger Heisman odds are just becoming a little bit more intriguing every yeah. single Yeah, What happened? we good now? I, I think they're I thought they were actually kind of good at the start of the season. Yeah. I was kind of wondering about that. Okay, good. But Texas keeps the Big Twelves playoff. Bid alive. No, I'm kidding. I think Oklahoma is still going to be alive for I for don't. a playoff bid just based on a lot of which based on reputation and what they'll probably do after this and just yeah. run the table. But I did see that that take all across Twitter and it was great because the Big 12 once again reminded us that um this year is just going to be weird. It's going to be yeah. weird and we need to embrace that. So, we might not be the best people to have this, you know, after our week one debacle, but let's guess some week 2 lines, shall we? Seven games sure. because that's going to be the new norm this year except during the bye weeks. Seven SEC games. Let's start off with South Carolina against Florida. I love a good Will Champ reunion. I love it. The line for this game, home debut for the Gators. I think Florida is favored by 17.
0: Okay. Um, I think I, I was going to say 17 and a half.
1: Were you Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Let's let's just squat on the. So it'll be twenty eight. There you go. <laughs> Mizzou in Tennessee. Um, I struggle with this one a little bit because I kind of think Tennessee is at this place, and Mizzou actually might be at this place as well, where they're going to play to their competition a lot more than people think, and that's going to yeah. make Vegas miserable because you're going to look up at their record and be like, they shouldn't be this close, but. I don't think Tennessee, who was just a road favorite for the first time since 2016, that was a real stat from Brad Edwards, a yes. real stat going into that South Carolina game. I don't think Vegas is going to give them a massive advantage. I think this is more like Tennessee favored by six and a half. I was going to say 10 and a half to 12. 10 and a half to 12. Okay, that much, that much. All right. Ole Miss in Kentucky. Um, Kentucky after the week that was defensively, you see some good things, but I I don't know if they're going to be all aboard the lane train. I, I think that yeah. Kentucky Kentucky might still be a favorite just because that Ole Miss defense looks so bad. But this will be this will be a very small spread. I I think I think this ends up being like Kentucky favored by two and a half.
0: Uh, I would say four and a half, but I think it could easily be six or seven. That much because the old miss defense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's going to be a nightmare
1: matchup. Arkansas, Mississippi State. uh, I've already been getting cold takes exposed for this, which is not good because I, of course, predicted Arkansas would beat Mississippi State. That's going to be a tough look. That's going to be a tough look. Um, Mississippi State's going to be favored. It's probably going to be favored by, I'm going to go 19, 14 and a half with the hook yeah. gotta have yeah. the hook in there lsu vandy lsu bounce back week vandy defense actually looked pretty good with derrick mason lsu going to be a road favorite, mm-hmm. but i'm gonna go a little bit lower than i thought i'm gonna go with like 13 21 21 that high oh yeah. we're, we're way far apart that's not yeah. a good sign that's not a good sign A M, alabama um
0: she had 13 lsu vandy can I can I take that one back? I take no, one back? you already can said it.
1: I, can I put it up to 17?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> I regret bad. that
1: instantly. I regret that so much. Sorry, LSU fans. A&M Alabama. Alabama going to be favored at home. We know that. Um, I think you have to give Alabama more than a two-score advantage. I think yeah. I think you got to have them favored by 17. I was
0: gonna say 18.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Auburn Georgia, your favorite game oh, ever. This is
0: uh, I know.
1: It's in October, but it's still happening. Let's just appreciate no, the fact it's that not,
0: this game is happening. We had a here in Atlanta last week, and it was, like, beautiful weather. And I just, like, if we're going to have this stupid-ass game, like, play Just, if they're going to play it in September, they need to play it in, like, Maine. So it's, like, mm. there's foliage or whatever, how you say that word. Foliage. Not that hard. Foliage.
1: Lobster I always rolls. always mix it
0: up. Allie told me that, like, a year and a half into our relationship. She was, like, just so you know, you've been saying foliage wrong. It's foliage. I don't know. How to say no, it. you still can't, can't say, it. say it. Yeah, I said it, I said it two different ways that time.
1: Foliage, foliage. There's no I foliage. in the first syllable. No, no, no. Foliage. You got it.
0: Foliage. Close enough. <laughs> Go ahead. Move on. All right.
1: I think Georgia will be favored at home. Yeah. But I I said before the season I thought Georgia was going to be a double digit favorite. I am no longer saying that. We yeah. can't. We with all the questions we have about this offense. Georgia five and a half point favorite what
0: seven and a half to nine um it's still Georgia it's at home it's still oh this offense was yeah the offense is bad uh um, good that defense though uh, so yeah I would say I would say seven and a half to nine that's like me. Auburn's know, it defense good that. It against might mean too much I feel like we're not gonna agree on this okay so hold on real quick, real quick. what do you think the over under is gonna be that game
1: low, low.
0: yeah like, like do you think it'll be over 40
1: that's, that was the line I, know, I was going to set it at, yeah. was, was 40. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Just because you, you need to see it from the Georgia offense before you, yeah. can, before you can really want to bet on those points. And the Auburn defense looked better than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like If you looked at that matchup after what we saw in week one, you'd say Auburn's defense should have an advantage over the Georgia offense. So yep. that's why I think that line will not get out of control. Maybe it will if we hear some JT Daniels news. It might mean too much. You referenced this earlier. Kylan Hill. I love Kylan Hill. Been singing his praises since twenty, since 2018, since the start of the Joe Moorhead era. Um, Kylan Hill catches the wheel route, the touchdown. Long touchdown that he has. And it was kind of like this, um, that'll be on his NFL draft film, no doubt. Makes, makes this cut, this little yeah. like head juke that he does in the open field. Great, great play. Um, gets to the end zone. And you tweeted this out and it's great. There's like, group of little leaguers sitting in the front row at that awesome. valley and kylan hill gets to the end zone gets to the back of the end zone and he somehow still has the energy after running that par that fast to just flex in the face of all these little kids and it's the most like i don't think you can stop yourself from doing that i don't even know if he processed the fact that like i'm gonna flex on these little kids but he did it anyways and you know what I was I was gonna I, I'm not gonna hate on Kylan Hill. I, wa- I put no. this in here because I just wanted to ask you, Marlar, have you ever had a moment in which you're like, oh, maybe that was a little bit much for the moment, and I probably didn't need to do that much?
0: Uh when I just turned 21, it was like uh, it was October, so it'd been a couple months, we got we went to a Thrashers game, and I was hammered. We started drinking on the way up there. Yeah, right so opening opening, there it is. Opening night for NHL, and it was, like, me and all my friends, like, Tyler Tidwell was there. Uh, we drove down there, and, and we had it – was, it was October 8th. I remember the date because October 7th was the day before, and it was one of my, our roommate's birthdays. And so we had a bunch of, like, leftover booze, and this was, like, peak douchebag Chris. And I remember, like, drinking all the way on the trip down there, getting to the stadium, kept drinking, and I was, like, sloppy drunk, like, before the game. And I remember looking at this kid – And he was wearing an Auburn sweatshirt, and Bama had lost Auburn for six straight years. And I was instantly like double take, like just beamed right towards him, and and I said, (laughs) as I did, I said, "Hey kid, nice shirt. Have fun being average for the rest of your life." And then I proceeded to have a bartending job for the next ten years. (laughs) But it was like I said it, and I remember. As I was doing it, my friend Hans grabbed me, because he saw it, he, and he was sober. He, he processed the whole thing like, no, 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 and grabbed me, tried to pull me back, and I was like, like shrugging him off. It was like George Brett coming out of the damn, like <laughs> what do you call it, dugout, and, uh, and made, a, made a, 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 I mean, a very regretful statement. And then Auburn beat Bam for like the seven straight years. So that was like my lowest point, I think, as a fan. And I've had some low ones from back in the day before I became a, a grown-up. I will say this. One of my favorite stories of all time, and it's my favorite, one of my favorite memes of all time, too, is the Michael Jordan F them kids meme. And do you know the origin of this? No. So Michael Jordan was at, like, Chris Paul's, um, like, summer basketball camp, right? And so they, they, they were going to play a game, he said, they are going to set up a bunch of shots for him, and if he missed three shots, they were going to buy the whole basketball camp, free Jordans. Free Air Jordans, if he missed, if he missed three shots. I've seen the video, yeah, yeah, yeah. He made all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so that that's what like <laughs> that's how the meme came with the Michael Jordan, like and, like the very serious, like, you know, like hand on chin, like like deep thought pose, and he said, mm-hmm. F them kids. I listen, Kylan Hill re- I posted this yesterday, I thought it was hilarious. I, I thought I thought it was awesome. And Kylan Hill responded to the tweet and said all he all he gave was just an emphatic like, let's go! It was one of the funniest things I've seen. In, in The
1: optics of it, though. Like, go watch the video who if you cares? don't know what it we're was talking awesome. about. Like, like, yeah, it was, and, it like, was great. I,
0: it would have been better. Like, So there was a picture that went viral that that little LSU girl with the, giving the middle finger. If it was her, it would have been so warranted. But instead, it was, you know, a bunch of six-year-olds dressed in Sperry's named Tanner and kids that have, like, higher, higher disposable income than me somehow and just, like, Forrest Gump waving at them. My, my issue, listen, like... I shouldn't have told that kid have fun being average versus his life. That kid's probably more successful than I am. Whatever. My issue is this. Like, bro, anybody can get it. Like, anybody can get it. Like, yep. <laughs> like anybody who wants to smoke can get the smoke. Kylan Hill, I love it. Flex on him, dude. Flex Defending him, national
1: champs, you know what? You're, you're within your rights. By the way, KJ yeah. Casello after the game dropped in it just means more. Yeah, yeah that mean, was no. cool. He gets yeah. it. He gets it. Yeah. Um, this Sucking has been. Darren Rebell. <laughs> This has been great to be able to recap actual games. It felt so, so normal yesterday to be able to actually watch a full slate. And I realized that it was different. And there were moments when you probably are like, hey, this doesn't exactly sound the same. I thought there were moments at a variety of these stadiums, especially South Carolina, where it really felt like, holy crap, these stadiums feel like they're at capacity. And credit to those fans who showed up yesterday and made a lot of noise. Credit to you. Thank you for everybody who has been following us throughout the offseason and got through some, some I'll be honest, some, some lean times, of course. But we have a season now, and we are going to yeah. continue to provide so much coverage on SDS. Like I said, go – Go subscribe to the newsletter, Saturday.Football. Yeah. Um, that's going to get you caught up to date on all of the, the things that are going on in college football. I realize that on Saturdays, things are a bit all over the place. Sometimes you miss stuff. We miss stuff. It happens. Yep. It's great to be able to get caught up and stuff like that. Follow us on all forms of social media, at the SDS Pod, at SDS, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Marler. We didn't have Matt Luke today, but what do we need to know? Yeah, Mike.